Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bccweb.com. Daring to grow. We're deliberately having baptisms every month um, or as long as we can do. And at the moment, by God's grace, we are able to see these baptisms happening every month. And, and for us, that's a great indication of growth. But I'm so excited this morning about this new series, Daring to Grow. Daring to Grow. There's all sorts of um, little plays in this, this. It's a hashtag, Daring to Grow. So we want to get social media out on this. Uh, hashtag Daring to Grow. Daring, of course, is our BCC value acronym. Uh, I'll just show you a slide to remind you of that shortly. But daring and growth are two separate things that we want to bring together. Now the church is already growing. Uh, We know that. We're in two services. We've added an extra service in the last 18 months. Um, We love the heart of the people in the church. But we want to do a couple of things. We want to take our values that we believe so passionately in, those things that we were in agreement about, and leverage them to the max. We want to exploit everything about our values, individually, personally, corporately, in small groups, to enable us to grow. We know Isaiah 37.30, that verse has been brewing around in this church now for the last two and a half years, that God, uh, God in this third year, we will, we will plant and harvest in this year. This is, so we are making plans now like we've never made plans before. We are intentional about a lot of things. And we're looking, we're, we're letting... Uh, ourselves breathe with the Holy Spirit. We're thrilled that this week is the beginning of the week of prayer and fasting. Tonight with earthquake, it's going to be full in here. And we will encourage uh, the Holy Spirit to speak to us and, and allow people to just bring what God's putting in their heart and we'll share openly, obviously with, with self-control and respect, but at the same time allowing God to breathe into the life of the church tonight. What could happen this week during the fasting? You know, normally we have around 200 people throughout the week would come down to the meetings. Could we have 250 this week? Is it possible? Could we grow? Could, could you make a decision that I'm going to try and get to a, an evening prayer meeting just for one hour? Remember what Jesus said at Gethsemane, could you not pray for one hour? But we, you know, I spoke to Paulette yesterday and Paulette is in our church and she can't be here today because she's very, very unwell at this point in time. But we're trusting that God will navigate that journey and, and improve her health where it's possible. And she so wants to be here. In fact, she's listening to the podcast. And so hello, Paulette, this morning. And we spoke, uh, we spoke uh, yesterday about what she, her journey is. And she said, what can I pray for during the week of prayer and fasting? She's committed to us. And, uh, and I love it. The church, even though there are people not here this morning, they are committed to being with us. So we're, we're at this exciting point in our immediate future, daring to grow. And we're going to unlock the book of 2 Corinthians. It's a difficult book, actually, uh, and that's why it's a challenge for us. We're, we're looking forward to this because it starts off with some challenging things. And I, being the lead pastor, have pulled the short straw on this one, so don't stone me if you don't like the preach. But um, <laughs> I just want to just take us into a, a, a statement that God gave me this morning. Achieving growth always involves three things. 
It always involves something. If we're going to see God move amongst us, he won't force us to grow. Do you know that? God will not, God doesn't force you. Now, biologically and organically, things grow. We know that. They kind of do it. Nature, it's a law of nature that they grow. But for human beings, God's given us choice. So choice is always involved in the growing process. But um, there's, there are principles around growth which are really important for us to grasp for a moment. Achieving growth always involves three things. It always involves breaking down. Breaking down. It always involves breaking open and it always involves breaking through. Now you can play around with those three expressions if you like. But um, <coughs> achievement, achieving growth always involves breaking down, breaking open and breaking through. What is it in your life that needs to be broken down a little bit? What's got so complicated and crusty? You know, I had a uh, a, a gas guy, gas person, in fact, a gas woman came to our house this week to service our boiler. We get it serviced every year. And this very knowledgeable lady said, in this hard water area, uh, the heat exchanger you know, can start to clog up with the calcium, calcium or, you know, it deposits in, in the water. And to grow, we've got to break some things down. If we're not careful, our lives, our boiler can start to get clogged up. Our activities can, got, can get clogged up. Um, so things have got to break down. But even cellularly speaking, biologically, you know, sometimes the multiplication requires the, you know, the separation of things. So there's a breaking down concept even in the, the biological world. But breaking down to break open to break through. Breaking down to break open to break through. Powerful principles. So what in your life is God going to break down? What's he going to break down in your thinking? Mostly in our worlds as adults, it's about our thinking that has to change. What's God going to break down in order for you to grow, for us to grow, for the church to grow, for leadership to grow, for everything about who we are to grow? Breaking down. Something's got to break down in the way we are. Something in our thinking's got to change. Something's got to break down. If we want to keep ourselves rigidly the way we've always been, it's going to be difficult for growth to really happen because God's going to have to break us down a little bit. And then what God will do is break open ideas, break open thoughts, break open opportunities, break open stuff. As you've allowed certain things to be broken down, he'll break open things in your thinking, in your contact base. Remember, the kingdom of God's about people. It's not just theory. It's not just the word of God. The word of God fuels and navigates us through his kingdom. But the, word, the kingdom operates through people, the interaction between people. So God will break open opportunity. You watch what could happen. What could happen this week in the prayer and fasting? As we pray, what would God break open this week? What could he transform? Um, and then, of course, the breakthrough. What would God break through into in our lives? What God's, what's God going to break through in community? What's he going to break through um, in the way we think, in the way we behave, in the people we know? Those I used to always love, as a young Christian, going to the toughest-looking opponents of Christianity, <laughs> opponents of the kingdom, opponents of faith, and talk to them. I used to love going to the people who are the most hard work because clearly they've had some thought and they've got an opinion, but perhaps they haven't thought enough. And I would just go with prayer and sooner or later something will happen. There'll be a, a breaking open, then, then an opportunity to break through. And it's brilliant when you see people's lives change. Only the Holy Spirit can truly break through into a person's life. We just cooperate with God in it. So as we talk about this series, over the next few weeks, it's going to be very exciting. It's taking our values, and we'll look at those just for a second, our daring values, determined devotion to God. And this week, tonight, earthquake, 
We'll be kicking in our determined focus on God through Jesus Christ. We're going to activate our spiritual disciplines. We are actively choosing to fast. You don't have to fast. There's no one saying you've got to fast. No one at the front is saying you've got to do X, Y, Z. But if you do, something will happen. As God breaks down the way we think, as God breaks us open and breaks through us, you'll find that your desire to be closer to God will increase. And as you do that, we, well, we, we deliberately create space in our eating habits and in our dietary behaviour, and we deliberately choose to fast. I know people who say, well, fasting, they don't, they're not interested in fasting. Well, okay, fair enough, but Jesus fasted, didn't he? Before he started his ministry, he fasted for 40 days. If he can do it, I can do it. If you're better than Jesus, good for you. But if he can do it, if he can set the pattern and the model, then I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it the way I can. Now, we're only going to do a fast for five days, and now, for those of you who can do it, a full fast. But how about if you can just do one day or whatever the situation. Maybe medically you can't and there's no pressure on you. Okay, There's none. There's no pressure on anyone in this church. But fasting is giving up food. Uh, but don't forget to drink because otherwise you'll get very thirsty, let me tell you. So activating spiritual disciplines, a relentlessly loving people. An expression of the giving this weekend or last weekend to Syria and the refugees is is an expression of loving people. And we want our finances and our facilities and our capacity to be expressed at loving people. Our increased generosity, of course, the church is very, very generous. And we have natural innovation and growing compassion. These are our values. And why are we unlocking 2 Corinthians? Because C.K. Barrett says, it's the fullest and most passionate account of what Paul meant by apostleship. You see, what happened was that the apostle Paul... Um, in the time of the New Testament, the early days of the New Testament, AD 50, around that time, um, went to a place called Corinth. And I'm going to put a slide up so you can see where it is. This is just for orientation. So you, if you don't know anything about these places in the Bible, at least for, one few, for a few minutes we get a chance to look at it. What is the context of Corinth? The context of Corinth is, well, Corinth we know is in modern southern Greece. In its day, it was not technically called Greece. It was another collection of states, city-states. And, uh, and Corinth is in a place called Achia in the Bible, and some of the versions will use that expression. And it's in the southern part, so it's the more orangey bit on the screen. And um, it's 50 miles west of, of Athens or thereabouts. And um, a very interesting place, a centre of a Roman capital, uh, a centre of commercial activity, a lot of sea traffic went north, south, east and west, so it was very much a hub of activity. So often God does stuff in the centre of community, the centre of the city, the centre of places and locations. And for us, the fact that we have many people involved in our city, the city of London, is very important. It's important that in the marketplace we have a strong presence as a church. What could that do? What could God break open in the marketplace through BCC? We may only be a church of about 500 people, but what could God do with 500 people in the city of London? We don't know. God could do anything. Why don't we pray about it? Why don't we take opportunities? Why don't we look for open doors as well as in our local community? But um, this city of, of Corinth, a uh, big city, pretty flat by the coast, and there's a hill behind it, and on that hill was a castle with some temples to other religions around it. And that's where Paul, if you like, landed. He came down to Athens, sorry, from Athens to Corinth, um, and he, he just turned up. And we know in the Bible that he, he met uh, two people. He just, by chance, God's provision, God's direction, Aquila and Priscilla, it just so happened that they were in the same profession as him. 
Isn't that a coincidence? Isn't it a coincidence that it just randomly happened that he happened to get on a, a boat or come down by, ro- by road or by, by whatever source of journey from Athens and he just happens to meet a couple who just happened to be in the same profession, who just happened... God does a lot of just-happened moments, doesn't he? It just happened. Do you remember? That happens to me all the time. It, oh, it constantly just happens that you bump into someone who just happens to speak your language, just happens to have the same interests, just happens to have the same background, just happens to know your family, just happens to know your sister. Just, it just, it's just extraordinary how that just happens. I don't think these things just happen. I think God is creating opportunities for us to expand our influence and do what we do. And God did that to Paul in, in Corinth in this Corinth context. So he arrives and he, and he meets Aquila and Priscilla. Um, they were sent, they were, even they were kicked out of Rome, you know, under the reign of Claudius, the emperor. So they're in a new place themselves. And God just brings these the, uh, Paul and this, uh, the Apostle Paul and this couple together and they start to work on stuff and we know straight away that Paul went to the synagogue there was a synagogue in Corinth and his, his goal was to persuade people Greeks and Jews alike but the Jews didn't like what he had to say he ran into hostility straight away so he said I've had enough of all this so I'm going to go spend my time with the Greeks so we know that from the book of Acts Acts 18 verse 9 it says the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you and no one will attack you or uh, to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. Now, I looked at this verse about a year and a half ago and it totally, totally, totally captivated me in my quiet time. I was thinking, God, one day, and I have used this verse before in preaching, but God, what does this mean? And God just said to me, you see, Paul arrived and he knew nobody and he was in arguments and discussions and debates and some hostility. But God knew that he had many in the city who were his own people. God knew, did you see that? God said to him, I have many. In the, but hang on a second. There was no church there. There was no, the kingdom presence was Paul and Aquila and Priscilla. So how could there be many people there that were God's? Because God was talking prophetically about the future. He was talking about those he knew were his. He was talking about those that he could see that Paul couldn't see. And that's how God does things. He's got people planned for you to meet. He's got people in the marketplace for you to encounter. He's got people in your workplaces, in community, in schools and colleges. You may think the toughest nut out there has got total resistance to faith. I'm telling you, it's not true. It's not true. People hide behind things in their lives. People hide behind damaged upbringings, behind disappointments and failures and divorces and all sorts of things. People hide and they, just, they live in their own world and they grow, create friendship circles around them who are people just like them. And, they, and God wants to break into them and enter his church, enter the kingdom of God. You are being sent by God to grow his kingdom. And that's what happened with Paul. He, he went there and he intentionally got stuck in and God said, I have many in this city who are my people. God was saying, and I believe it's true for Bromley, there are many in Orpington who are God's people. There are many in Bromley Central that are God's people. There are many in South London who are God's people. There are many who are not yet reached with the gospel that are God's people. They're there. God is wanting us to reach. We've got to look outside of what we normally do if we're going to allow our values to turn into growth. You know, turning our daring values to growing values are going to be, it's a choice we're going to have to make. But then it says that Paul ends up leaving Ephesus. He ends up leaving. We know that from Acts uh, 18. And he left two years later. 
Um, sorry, left Corinth and went to Ephesus, Ephesus in AD 20. But he left some stormy relationships in this brand new baby church. And, um, and for seven years, he was involved in and out of Corinth. He sent Timothy down there. And um, he had three personal visits and four letters, even though we only have two of them in the New Testament. We have 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. The other two letters have been lost or misappropriated in history. And they were never incorporated into what we call the Bible. And as a result, what happened in Corinth is one of the more complicated areas in the New Testament because it deals with the tensions of new believers from pagan backgrounds, from multi-ethnic origins who are, are trying to understand the kingdom and the, what happens in terms of people behaviours and stuff. So as we unpack um, 2 Corinthians, we'll be able to see how Paul dealt with some of these topics. What he's effectively doing is giving us an immense opportunity to see who he really is. It opens up the identity and personality of, of Paul in a way that other parts of the Bible don't. And as we're about to, to, well, as we are continuing to grow, as we move forward in God's strength, knowing what he was dealing with is very helpful for us to unpack. And there'll be some things in there that challenge us. And there are a few things this morning I want to bring to the service. So there are three key understandings I want to have this morning. The first understanding is that you are chosen. You are chosen. And I'm not going to read all of 2 Corinthians um, chapter 1. In fact, we're only going to look at the first 10 or 11 verses. But I'm going to pick some of those verses out. But it says right at the beginning that we are chosen. Uh, And at the very beginning, it says we're chosen for purpose. It says in 2 Corinthians 1, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. And from our brother Timothy, I'm writing to God's church in Corinth. Remember I said he left after a couple of years and he's written back to them. They think he was writing probably from Ephesus. I'm writing to God's church in Corinth and to all his holy people throughout Greece. That's Achia. May God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Called, called, God has called us for purpose. Everybody who becomes a believer is called for purpose. He's called for purpose. I love that video earlier of the uh, gift discovery and purpose. It fits perfectly with it. Surprise, surprise. It, it fits perfectly. That we've got to discover that purpose. Discover. But we are chosen for purpose. We're not chosen for attendance. We're chosen for purpose. So as we look at this, there's another great scripture, one of my favourites. John 15, 16 in the ESV. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And your fruit should abide. Your fruit should abide. Um, So that whatever you ask ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. This is tied to prayer. Your fruit will abide. You're chosen, you're appointed, that you should go and bear fruit. So if we are chosen, we are chosen, we are chosen specifically. We're chosen because God's got a desire for you. He's got a desire to maximise who you are. He's got a desire for you to be the greatest person you could possibly be. He has chosen you. The creator of heaven and earth has chosen you. You may not feel like it. There are a lot of people who say, well, I'm not, I'm not worthy. You haven't seen my life. I have totally messed up. I've been through so many relationships, it's unreal. I've, had, I've financially done things that are wrong. I've broken the law. Some people in here have got criminal records as long as Dave's arm. <clears throat> um, there are... There are I say with permission. (laughs) Um, But it's amazing. God changes us. We are chosen. We are chosen. God has chosen you for a purpose. 
I believe you haven't seen your purpose yet. You've got a sniff of it. You've got a sense of it. But God, you might be just starting out in academic studies or in college. And I've got two daughters at university. They don't know who they are yet. They're just figuring it out. They're just trying to get through the system. But God has chosen them. He's chosen you and me for purpose. And that purpose is going to be revealed on the journey. He doesn't just say, okay, um, day one, this is your life mapped out. I don't know why I'm holding a water bottle, but um, let's go with a piece of paper. You know, God doesn't just sort of give you a well done letter. You've graduated from secondary school. That's your purpose. It doesn't. The purpose is unpacked. It's unpacked. He only gives you a bit at a time. He gives you, a, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. Have you ever done a jigsaw puzzle with a thousand puzzle pieces? No, don't. It's <laughs> not, not good. But um, you, can, you might find a bit of green or the bit of blue or the bit of red and you haven't got a clue. You need to look at the picture. So you go back to the Bible to find out what the bigger picture might look like. But you, you may have two or three pieces of your life at the moment. God's got a whole puzzle to unpack. He's got a whole, whole puzzle. And you may be a puzzle of four pieces or you may be a thousand piece puzzle. Who knows? I, I think most of the women have got more pieces than the men. <laughs> um, I just speculate. I don't know. Um, anyway. So you're chosen, but you're appointed. There's a difference. Chosen means come, come be with me. You know, if you choose a husband or a wife. In fact, I need to make an announcement this morning. I was looking around earlier, Tamsin and Ronaldo. Um, I couldn't see you, so I couldn't announce it, but I just need to publicly announce that Tamsin and Ronaldo are going to get married this year. Let's show our... September the 24th. It's only when I got up here to preach, I actually saw where you were sitting. So anyway, congratulations to you both. Swamp them later. Anyway, that's completely thrown my thoughts. So it fitted perfectly with chosen. They've chosen each other, but they've been appointed. We've been appointed, appointed to do something. Appointed to carry responsibility. Appointed. If you get a job offer, you are appointed to the role, aren't you? You don't... You, you may have been chosen for interview, but you get appointed to the role. And you may be selected from amongst many to do that thing. But if we're appointed to do something and you don't do it, what happens in your job world? You get fired. Don't you? Well, God doesn't fire people. He's more gracious than that. But isn't it wrong if we get appointed to something, we never do it? God calls us. He's he chosen us and he appoints us to bear fruit. And fruit, not just fruit, but fruit that abides, fruit that lasts that keeps reproducing. If you look at Isaiah 37, 30, it talks about the the phases, those three-year phases. In the third year, you'll harvest what you plant. In other words, the fruit will will grow. I'm so excited about the gift discovery and purpose. I've been through it already um, in terms of the shape of this thing. It's a specially designed three separate Sunday evening course here at BCC to, to draw... In fact, Adam has drawn from some of the best resources in the world to bring together a punchy three-point training course. Actually, it's so good. We're going to pilot it with the staff before the actual main thing goes live uh, because I think it's so... I'm so excited. Gift discovery and purpose. But, um, you know, what is your purpose? You're chosen for something. Well, I've got some friends in the church who, you know, we're totally committed to growth. And uh, we decided that we needed to create more youth space for the, for the youth on Sunday mornings. So we're going to open plan part of one of the buildings over the, over the courtyard there. And, uh, and some of the guys have been on site. We've just knocked a hole through. If, I shouldn't say knocked. We've just cut a hole through, through the kitchen. 
So to open up into one of the offices so we can open plan upstairs. So we're committed as a church to seeing growth, to enable growth to happen. And right now, some of the guys were on site yesterday starting some painting and decorating. And we're really excited about that. But there's a calling. We're chosen, we're appointed to bear fruit. It's not just painting and decorating, but it's great when you can see that things are being mobilized for, for purpose right now. We want to create an open plan space where not, not only the youth can meet properly on a Sunday morning, the, um, the, young, the, the younger youth, the younger teenagers, but, um, but it's also so that we can do equipping courses for community. We want to bring in life skills training into a space that's private so we can, we can give guidance to people in community who don't necessarily come to church. So three things to understand about uh, daring to grow. The first is understanding that you are chosen by God's will. The second thing well, before we get to that, I just want to say that Brené Brown, I like Brené Brown. I don't think she's a believer, but I love this quote. Vulnerability is the birthplace of innovation, creativity and change. So as, and it's true. You know, I like that little tagline. The Stone Age didn't end because they ran out of stones. Somebody had to think differently. Somebody saw an opportunity. Somebody saw what God had created and took, took things in a different direction. Somebody's, who was the first person who said, I don't want to play with stones anymore. I want to play with metal. <laughs> The heavy metal group, the two gangs, the stone. Anyway, I, I'm, going, I'm going off on one. Um, but isn't it interesting? Vulnerability is the birthplace of innovation, um, creativity and change. If we, are, if we want to grow, we take our values and we become vulnerable. We just get on with being a bit vulnerable, letting God breathe through us. Second point, um, if we're going to grow, we need to understand that God brings comfort. Comfort despite our suffering. And... Um, you know, right at the beginning, I said that um, a principle of growth is breaking down. Well, Paul, the greatest apostle in the New Testament, had to understand what it was to be broken down. And he went through some really tough times in his life. And you may be sitting there today or here today and feeling that you have been through some of the hardest things in experience in your life. And, uh, but God takes us through times where things are broken down so that things can break open and so that things can break through. And uh, Paul makes record of this right at the beginning of this letter to the Corinthians, trying to reveal who he is. And he says, all pray in verse 3 of 2 Corinthians 1, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Amazing. I mentioned earlier that I'd spoken to Paulette yesterday and she said, you know, I've had more opportunities to bring comfort to others in my trial right now than I would have ever, ever imagined. She said she, she has more ability to bring comfort and she's got a very serious situation with cancer. And in her situation, it's drawn her closer to God. You know, people, they either go towards God or they go away from God in trials. And Paulette, by God's grace, is a trophy of grace. She is absolutely amazing. She's getting closer to God. She has some amazing times with God at night because that's when she's got the, the space to kind of have that relationship really develop. And, and she's had opportunities and doors have opened for her. It says in verse 5, For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his, com with his comfort. Shower us, that, that expression, shower us, in other versions, well, actually, the Greek means superabound. It's abundance, but it superabounds. God will superabound you with his comfort. So there is, you can't go anywhere and, and say, well, actually, life's too tough. <laughs> it's too difficult because God is the God of all comfort. 
not partly comfortable, not part comfort, but all comfort. You know, what do people do when they want comfort? They eat chocolate, don't they? <laughs> At least what they do in my household. I, I, t- I go, <laughs> I should have brought the wrappers, bags and bags of empty wrappers, especially after Easter. Um, the trouble is, you eat one, you eat the whole packet, don't you? It's like, one, I'll have one biscuit. Yeah, and you eat the whole packet, don't you? Yeah, that's right. But that's the wrong kind of comfort. You know, people indulge in shopping and sport and all sorts of things. They look for things to stimulate them, to depend on, to distract them. Sometimes they become addictions. You've got to be very careful with the things you allow to bring comfort into your life because those things can become addictions for you. You know, I heard a, um, about a golfer recently who um, he's a retired guy who was playing golf and and on the 16th hole, the, the fairway ran close to the main road, and there was a funeral cortege going up the road. And, and this guy, Bob, said to his mate, he said, Stop, stop, stand still, show some respect, and take your caps off. As they watched the funeral cortege go past, they looked at him and said, Bob's not normally respectful to anybody. What's going on? He said, Well, I was married to her for 50 years. <laughs> I only said, I've got, I got a boo. So, uh, anyway, I do that in honour of the Masters, which is currently running, and for Rob Short at the back, and, and for Fred, who's not here playing golf. So, God brings comfort. He's our true source. He's our true source. And let me just show you a few points around comfort. Comfort uh, is inclusion, not isolation. Is inclusion, not isolation. True comfort is inclusion, not isolation. It brings you together. It draws you in. God will draw you in. It's communication, not silence. True comfort is communication. The the Greek around the word comfort is about communicating and building up. It's bridging. It's faith, hope and love. It's protection, not exposure. True comfort. So God does this. He includes. He doesn't isolate. He communicates. He doesn't keep silent. He protects. He doesn't expose. So God's comfort, that's the hallmark of God's comfort. That's what he does. He brings that in to strengthen us, to to show us that he's involved. God brings comfort. He's our true source. If we look at other sources, other distractions, they become addictions if you're not careful. But they, they take us away. In fact, if you want to know whether things are going well for you, look at the flip side of this. When you feel that you're not with God or you, you're rebelling against God, what happens? You become isolated, don't you? It's a classic thing. Leaders who, who go through times of struggle in their faith become very, very isolated, which is why I, as a lead pastor here, make a point of being in fellowship, not only with the team every week, but with the eldership and the directors of BCC every week or as often as we can possibly get together. Why? Because um, isolation is where the bad stuff happens. Isolation is where... You do things at night time. Isolation is where the dark comes in. Isolation is where you hide stuff. If you're a tax hider, if you're involved with, you know, that whole list that's just come out this last week, and look at the Prime Minister. He's having to reveal everything about his income just to preserve his job because, you know, this whole thing. But God brings inclusion, not isolation. Communication, not silence. If you're going silent on your faith, if you're going silent in your relationships around things of God, what's really going on? That's a big telltale sign that God needs to bring comfort into your life. Maybe you feel exposed, but God wants to bring protection into your life. Then as we look forward into this, I just want to say that hurting people hurt people, but comforted people comfort people. Who are you? Where are you? Are you somewhere in between? Be a comforter. Be a comforter. Be someone who draws alongside. It says in Psalm 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present 
help in times of trouble. That word very present means findable. You can find him. Don't ever say, I can't find God. You can always find God. You can always find him. You can. Pressure reveals the measure of a person. In Colossians 1.10 it says, your, your lives will produce every kind of good fruit all the while. You'll grow as you learn to know more and more about God. Our knowledge of God's got to increase. That's why we are intentionally doing a 10-week um, theological training course. We're, we're partnering with WTC, Westminster Theological Centre, to allow uh, to run a 10-week theological training course for those who want to take their theology up a level to get a better grasp of theology. And a number of you have signed up. I think there may only be one space left on the whole thing. And I, I believe it starts on the 14th of April. But if you want to strengthen your theology to, to really get into chewing the meat of the word, then you could sign up for that or request to be involved. But um, it's amazing. We're, we're looking to grow our understanding of who God is. If we're close in our understanding, then, then we'll be stronger together. Third point I want to bring in is, that, um, is an understanding that Paul brought. He said... He talked about being crush-resistant, crush-resistant. As we grow, we need to be crush-resistant. And how do you become crush-resistant? It says in um, verse, verse 8 to 10, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia, that's modern Turkey. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result... We stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. This is immense as a piece of scripture. This is right at the beginning of this amazing book of 2 Corinthians. Right at the beginning of this book. Paul went through times when he was attacked physically. His leadership, not just, I'm not saying the Corinthians, but in different parts of Europe and, and Central Asia, uh, near Asia, he, he, he was attacked physically. His leadership was challenged. False teachers, this is what happened in Corinth, false teachers came in, tried to undermine the people, to distract the people, to bring down their understanding. Um, all sorts of things happened. He was shipwrecked, he was beaten. He, he, he thought he was going to die, and yet, he still learned in that situation. You can still learn in every situation. Every situation, God can teach us something. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. So we are crush-resistant. Did you know that? You are crush-resistant. That's a bit of a tongue twister, isn't it? I can't say it too quickly. Crush-resistant. You have got the ability to regain the shape that God put you in. You can. It's amazing. You may feel that part of your life is crushed. You may feel a bit battered. You may feel that certain things have really got into your life. It's causing damage. But let me tell you, follower of Jesus Christ, you are crush resistant. God's designed you with something. You are Kevlar bodied. You, you are crush resistant. You can overcome things that will try and crush you. You can bring back into shape those things that you think may have gone out of shape. You are crush resistant. We recover. We restore our God-given shape. So stop relying on ourselves. That's the key thing. You can't rely on yourself. It's by faith, faith, hope and love. By faith, we have placed our confidence in him. We place our confidence. You actually place, this is your confidence, right? This, what are you going to do with your confidence? I'm going to place it over there. I'm going to hide it away. I'm going to hide away my confidence. That's mine. God's given me that. I'm, maybe I'm losing it, but I'm going to hide it over there. God says, place your confidence in me. 
pick up your confidence and place it in me. That's how you become crush resistant. You place your confidence in him. As you place your confidence back into God's presence, you can pray this through. You can say, God, I believe in you. I want to place my confidence in your presence. God, I've lost my confidence. Build my confidence. Because growing people will have to have confidence. Stop relying on yourselves. And that third point in this section is we, he rescued us and will rescue us again. That's the God that we serve. God rescues us time and time and time again. Band, would you join me? God rescues us time and time again. In the next service, we've got um, a baptism of two young lads. Matt and Aidan are getting baptised. There was a third, but um, timing's got muddled around with that person. So there's going to be two this morning get baptised. And they're young fellas, and their whole life is ahead of them. They've got an eternal change going on right now. They've got an eternal change going on right now. So this is where we are this morning. Achieving growth always involves breaking down breaking open in order to break through, breaking down, breaking. What is God breaking down in your life? What is it you need to break down in your life? And by breaking down, I don't mean destroying. I mean just opening up, creating space. What needs to be kind of teased open? What are the things that have locked you down? What are the things that have locked you in? What does God want to break open, bring some life into, see some growth into? I, I prophesy there are people in this service, in the next six months, your lives are going to radically, 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 radically change. Because you are not crushed. You are not crushed. He's going to reshape you. You've got Kevlar bodies, <laughs> metaphorically. He is on your side. God is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. But he's doing it for a reason. Because he wants your confidence to be placed in him. You may have lost confidence. You might be a guy this morning who's got to be seen to be brave and strong and I'm the one who's the provider and you may have lost your confidence. You may have been battered through relationship, battered through job experiences, battered through careers that failed, battered through situations. You just, it could be you today and and God is saying, come on, get your confidence and put your confidence in me. Stop holding on to it, hiding it away in your coat pocket, in your back pocket, in your cupboard, in the back of your car. Bring your confidence to me and I will strengthen you. I'll give you your shape back. I will give you what you thought you lost because I'm the one who's never going to leave you. I'm the one who's going to be always with you. God is going to build you up. He's going to break down some stuff. He's going to break open some stuff and He's going to break through. And you're going to be part of the breakthrough that God has. He's planned a breakthrough for you. Do you get that? It's reserved for you. It's reserved for you specifically. It's Norman, there's a breakthrough planned for you in your life. You don't know what it is, where it is, but there's a breakthrough planned. Dave, for you, there's a breakthrough planned. Penny, for you, there's a breakthrough planned. There's a breakthrough planned. God has got a breakthrough planned. And if we get our eyes back on Him and let that shape firm, what could happen this week through our prayer and fasting? What could happen through our times of worship? Tonight at Earthquake, as God speaks, what could happen? Could you bring a verse? Could you bring a scripture? Could you bring something from your journal? Can you bring someone to to comfort somebody else, to lift them up? You just don't know. But God is the God who makes you crush resistance. He says, don't rely on yourself. He says, learn to rely only on God. Only on God. Learn to rely only on God. Learn to rely only on God. Then God will put the future in your hands and you'll understand it and it will make sense. So why don't we stand right now? We're going to sing a song and then we're going to close the service.